Today's episode is brought to you by Slayhouse Publishing, recorded at Wayne Howard Studios. All right, guys, we're back, and we're going to start off with the winter movie review for Slayhouse Publishing's Lit Bits. And we're going to start off today with a movie called Studio 666. Curtis, might I point out, Curtis gets this right on the first try. I'm just saying, <laughs> why are we not having him do the intros every yeah. time? <laughs> I just sit quietly by most of the time, don't I? Um, so, all right, starting off, Studio 666 starring uh, the Foo Fighters, which is Dave Grohl, Pat Smear, uh, Jenna Ortega. I'm not. Who's Who's Jenna Ortega? She is an up and coming actress. Um, she is a young young actress. She's going to appear on our list a couple of times, actually. She's new. Okay. She's new. Yeah. She's probably like 20 years old. I mean, she's she's young, but she's coming. Uh, she's popping up on this list a couple of times, and she's also coming out with some good movies. She's also recently been tapped to star in Netflix's series Wednesday as. Wednesday, Wednesday Adams. Adams. Oh, Wednesday. Okay. All right. So, we just talked about that. Which show we just talked about earlier that. in this season. Rotten yep. Tomatoes gives this movie 81%, which is very generous yeah. uh, for Rotten Tomatoes, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I uh, thought for, so. For Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. I mean, right. so you saw this movie. I did not end up getting to see it. What were your thoughts? I love this movie. Like, this movie didn't do great at the box office, but I think it's going to be a cult classic. I think this. The Foo Fighters understand comedy. Obviously, if you've watched their videos, they understand comedy exactly. really well. Um, and they, they, But they put those elements into horror, so they make this great horror comedy. What's interesting about this movie is that it is based on... So apparently when they were doing Medicine at Midnight, their 10th album, they, they recorded it at a mansion in Encino. And there were some weird happenings going on during this this thing but because they signed a non-disclosure agreement with the owner of the mansion they couldn't like come right out and talk about the hauntings and the stuff they experienced at this mansion <laughs> so this is a fictionalized version of what they experienced obviously and it gets crazy <laughs> but but it's hilarious and and you can tell that they're i mean as much fun as they, they had a lot of fun making this film like it oh, was a sure. blast and, i mean i know you say that it didn't make a whole lot of money but i feel like i don't know for me anyway like I don't think a project like this is ever about like a huge return on investment. No, right? no. This was a, a labor of love, totally. Yeah, this was totally a labor and, of and love. And I mean, it seems like the kind of project that is specifically designed for cult following status, right? Yeah, right, right. Yeah, and well, obviously it promotes the band, right? Which, right. which is exactly. worth so much money. So this little project really is like a promotional uh, tidbit that they're probably doing. Uh, yeah, 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 kind of. Yeah, one, yeah, man, I, one man's I think tidbit they, is another man's. Uh, yeah. Massive project, right? (laughs) Right. They created a fictional band um, called like Dream Whisper or something like that. That's like a heavy metal slasher band, and they recorded (laughs) an entire album of songs for this fictional band. Oh wow! That they're supposed to be releasing as well. Um, And it's it was just it was amazing. It was really the amount of energy that they put into this project, like all their projects. It's just fascinating. I'm I'm just the biggest fan of the Foo Fighters. That's cool. So there's more to this than just the movie. Oh yeah, yeah. That's really cool. Totally. Uh, Yeah, they're they're really they're really fantastic people. Um, I get to kind of brag. I got to see a concert, a Foo Fighters concert, in my friend's garage. In my friend's garage, the Foo Fighters came and played for fifty people. 
Oh wow! Uh, and they just set up GoPros all over the the garage. They called That's it the nice. garage tour, I think. Wow! <laughs> and basically, you it's a sweepstakes. You send in a picture of your garage, and if they like it, they'll come play a show in it, right? Oh wow! Uh, but there are stipulations <laughs> about the contest. If you win, you can't tell people that you won. It has to be very. You have to follow all these rules, or else you're out and you don't get it. So my friend was actually the runner up, and the first place winner of this blabbed on social media that she had won oh wow and they said well guess what now you don't get it and which is horrible like i can't imagine the heartbreak for that girl but my friend was over at our house and uh she got the phone call and found out she started screaming her head off and and we got really concerned we thought somebody had died or something and uh she said we got the foo fighters and i was like what does that mean we got the foo fighters who got them how do you get them and uh and she explained what was going on and she explained what was going on she said and you guys are obviously invited and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so yeah, the year was 2010 and I'm standing in a garage in, uh, in the suburbs of Dallas, uh, oh, wow. just watching the Foo Fighters. Like they were from me to you. They were like right wow. there. And I got to talk to Dave Grohl and tell him how cool I thought he was. And <laughs> he signed my, uh, wasting light, uh, CD with a, well, first he gave me the CD for free and then he signed it with a, uh, silver Sharpie. Oh, wow. And I've got it, and I'm so proud of it. But uh, that is one of the coolest stories I Can have. Can I borrow it and never give it back? Sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I need to put it up here in the studio somewhere. That um, would be cool. It's, it's yeah. really cool. But, yeah, it started raining, and they had to they had to take off pretty quick. Um, but, man, what a day. What oh, a wow. freaking surreal day. Uh, so, yeah, they, they kind of, they're kind of known for reaching out to fans in kind of a, a real meaningful way, right? Yeah, um, yeah, I think so. Really, <laughs> really cool band. Yeah, yeah. Super cool guys. But that's not the only movie we have on the list. What else do we have? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what were we talking about? Oh, Just we were talking about movies. And yeah, I mean, the, the story yeah, about that is voice. way cooler than any musician story I have. Yeah, 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 I'm, yeah. I'm sure it's yeah, a great yeah. movie, but yeah, the, the, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> what do we have next? Uh, Nightmare Alley uh, featuring Guillermo del Toro. He directed yeah, uh, it. He's yep. the director. I mean, uh, yeah, that's what D means, right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what did I say? I should have. What did I, I say? Featuring? I yeah, yeah, featuring. That yeah. means he's like acting in it, right? Yeah, I should have okay. prepped Curtis with my script notes before I. <laughs> in a way, <laughs> he is featured in the movie. Yeah, it's got as his, director. His yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, this this one was based on a book by uh, William Lindsay Gresham. Did you ever end up reading the book? I've got it. It's on my TBR. So. Uh, yeah. Okay. I haven't yet. So uh, I. Del Toro is probably my favorite director. Um, I, I he has done some amazing projects in the past. Um, I felt like this one was actually some pretty good noir. I mean, yeah. no, noir is kind of a difficult um, genre to to approach because, it, like, if you do it really, really well, it's it's amazing. But if you don't do it well, it can be really shitty. Right. Um, and unfortunately, I think there are a lot of bad noir projects. You know, for example, uh, Reminiscence, <laughs> right? Just a, an absolutely terrible neo-noir. Um, but this one, I, I think, really tries at least to kind of get to the roots of what noir fiction is trying to do, right? I mean, it's called noir fiction because it is dark. It is really bleak. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the hallmarks of, of noir fiction is that you have a... a protagonist anyway um who ends up not necessarily in a good space at by the end of the story right i don't know many noir stories that have a happy ending right yeah um but i think what makes 
a noir story work is that it's it's constantly trying to assess the human condition and the the flaws of human characters as they relate to one another, right? Right, right. So a good noir protagonist should be someone who is intimately flawed. You know, someone that you can really tell is is flawed. Yeah. Um, but is also kind of sympathetic. You know, you can't help but root for him to make the right decisions, even though you know, watching this movie, like he's not gonna make good decisions. Right, right, right. Which can be frustrating and and yeah. drive away the average. But it, but it's what drives goer. the drama, right? It's what drives the story forward. Yeah. So um, it's a little long, I felt, because this is like a two and a half hour movie. Yeah. And I thought, you know, I could probably do without 20 or 30 minutes of it. Um, It's a carny movie, which I also am kind of not so into, because I think a lot of movies about uh, carnies really focus on, like, them being freaks and and not really, like, the exploitation, really, of people who already don't have the same advantages or the same privileges as the rest of us. There's that's a lot the, that's to the route there. I felt like this movie took is yeah. it didn't portray them as freaks. It showed the the dis, you know the disparity of their right. their condition. The, right. it's, it's the carnival's job to display them as freaks, right? Yeah. So right. if you're going to do a, but it's a, a also, piece on them, you, you dig a little deeper, right? Yeah, because yeah. I mean, the carnival itself is is really exploitative, right? Absolutely. Like the whole point yeah. is like, come look at our freaks. Uh, and, and but they also you know keep the freaks working for them. I I, I say that I don't mean that they're actual freaks, but you know <laughs> Quote, what I mean. We we'll put quotes around. Yeah, we we'll put quote, quotes <laughs> around. It. I mean they they keep these the alleged freaks. They keep right. these people working for them, <clears throat> um, basically under the the premise like you'll never work anywhere else. Yeah, right? yeah. You should be grateful for your exploitation. That's like a typical. What else are you gonna do? You're just gonna be a bum on the streets. Right. It's yeah. like a typical tactic with that type of thing, isn't right. it? Like you mm-hmm. you you need me. You right. can't go anywhere else. Yeah. Uh, evil. Yeah. <laughs> so I I Pretty feel dark. like yeah the thesis of this movie was basically like you know people are kind of horrible to each other right, right. and uh and and like constantly looking to exploit one another um only leads to like self-destruction right, right. It, it is not um it is not anything that is really productive and so we see these like cycles of people just like consuming other people around them um and then you know kind of like the spiritual death that comes from that constant looking to uh, exploit one another. Right. So I, I, yeah. That's a great way to describe all that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, good movie. I liked it. I liked it a lot. I thought it was really, really good. Yep. Strong performances too. I, I yeah, thought Bradley that, Cooper, um, Kate Blanchett, Tony Collette, Willem Dafoe, Willem yeah, Dafoe. Ro- Rooney Mara was in there too. Rooney Mara, consummately yeah. terrifying. Willem Dafoe. Yeah, yeah. I feel like Willem I Dafoe. could have used twenty more minutes of Kate Blanchett personally. <laughs> I, yeah, um, yeah. She she plays kind of the, yep. the femme fatale of uh, this this movie. I think. Uh-huh. Because there's always one of those, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. like, like in any noir movie, you're gonna have like, like the the well-meaning, almost virginal character, which I think Rooney Mara, Rooney Mara is the yeah. one who who plays that. And then you have like the the Black Widow, you know, like right. the, the the spider in woman's clothing. Right? <laughs> yeah. That's Kate Blanchett in this case. Yeah, it's a good movie. What's next? Scream? Scream. The original? Scream. No, the new a new Scream movie came out. So I'm reading who it's starring, and it says Nev Campbell, 
David Arquette, Courtney Cox, <laughs> and I'm like, why are we reviewing a movie that's 20-something years old now? No, well, because, and they make a joke about this in the movie. They like, do. Like, they titled it Scream, but it's actually Scream 5. And they're like, <laughs> yeah. how, in the movie, they're like, because they're talking about the Stab movies, you know, and, and, and they're like, it's Stab 8. Why are they just calling it Stab? They're like, it's so pretentious. Scream and, has <laughs> always been yeah. self-deprecating in that way. They really did a good job of bringing that meta back to the... It's kind of the meta slasher, right? Yeah. Like yeah. the slasher about slashers. I think what set Scream, like the original movie, apart for me was its self-awareness. Right. right. Yeah. And and this is like your mileage is going to vary on this because either you're a, a slasher fan um, who can kind of come into a meta, meta slasher like this and see it both as a slasher, but then also a commentary on the culture surrounding slasher films. Right. Um, and really enjoy that kind of meta commentary. You know, it's very postmodern. I think that scream the at least the first one kind of broke the mold a little bit in in yeah. representing to us having a fresh take on what was a very tired genre right by right, the right. 1990s right and around that time that was like a popular thing to do they were doing it with uh well it's weird they did scary movie which is a spoof <laughs> on scream but what's funny is that uh scream was already doing that to itself uh, yeah. right yeah and so it's like in the late 90s we reached this pinnacle of like Okay, clearly these this genre is done, and right. so we're just gonna go, yeah, <laughs> and just have fun with it. And yeah. it, and Scream ended up being really fun, but it was a pretty scary movie uh, when you're. Yeah. I was really good. young when it when it came out. It's a good ninety six. Yeah. Ninety six. Yeah. yeah. What works about it is that it it is a competent slasher in and of itself. Yeah. Right. And I think that slashers are having kind of a moment right now, at least culturally. You know, we've had um, a number of um slasher projects i think just in like this winter we've seen even um, in books like stephen graham jones is my heart is a chainsaw yeah i was gonna say books too i mean it's not just stephen graham jones because right. he writes a lot of slashers yeah he's been writing slashers for but that's for the one that's years. most recently come out that's that's yeah. really kind of received as well some accolades. as uh, grady hendrix's uh, final girl support group which yeah. in itself is also a meta slasher right um i think that this movie it's like a meta meta slasher. It's a it's no this, this slasher is, inception. This is where yeah it, this is yes it is the slasher inception. This is where it gets weird because it's not just um uh having a meta commentary about slashers. It's having a meta commentary about the meta commentary slasher. Right. Yeah. And and that level of um <laughs> that level of of like self referentiality uh just makes this this movie so much weirder and like so much I think more fun because it's it's not just trying to have a comment about the state of like the movie industry right in terms of slashers but almost kind of like a a commentary on the state of the movie industry itself oh Harvey Weinstein had like everything to do with these movies too right oh wow I mean yeah he 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 produced yeah his name is all over at least the first two probably all of them I don't expect that they made any references to him in this movie but that would have been too much right (laughs) too far what they do interesting for me is is again I mentioned that new actress um, Jenna Ortega and she is you know at the beginning of every screen movie somebody's attacked and they're killed well she's the girl that's attacked at the beginning but she's not killed Oh. She's she's is hospitalized and she serves to tell everybody, hey, Ghostface is back, and that's what kind of yeah. brings everybody together. 
Um, but oh, then so she also she, so she lived to tell everybody. Yeah, and then she becomes like again. one of the final girls, which yeah. is well, is kind of cool too. Kind of a spoiler, but uh, screw it. Yeah, we spoil, <laughs> we spoil everything though. It's yeah, like, yeah, that's right. That was a micro spoiler. Yeah, yeah. it's a Real shame upset. that uh, it's a shame that Wes Craven is not around to direct this one. Yeah, that's um, and they pay homage, 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 homage. How? How? This is another. This is another. I said homage. I said it right. This is a weird Jeremy moment. Uh, Spider Man: No Way Home. I love that movie. Holy Mm. shit! I thoroughly enjoyed that. You're not alone. I mean, this Willem Dafoe again. This Willem Dafoe again. A a 1.86 billion. So, oh really? They what's cool about this is they bring back the villains from the first uh, franchises, the first two franchises of Spider-Man. So I mean, it's Alfred talk... Molina's Doctor Octopus, it's Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin, right? It's uh, Jamie Foxx's Electro. It's it's like all of the original. Yeah. Like, you want to talk like meta, you know, meta movies, right? I feel like this this movie is is like a, a time capsule. Of Spider-Man of the last what twenty, 20 years? Yeah, yeah. Um, it. I, I mean, I remember skipping school uh, when I was a kid, a teenager. Um, my mom had me skip school to go see that Tobey Maguire. Uh, yeah, Spider-Man yeah. It on was opening a big, day. big it was deal. A big fucking deal. I mean, they had that song with Chad Kroger from Nickelback. Yeah. I believe in heroes. <laughs> so, or whatever. Uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> What what I think made this movie such an an amazing. You've just pissed off all the Nickelback fans out there. Yeah, I didn't sing it right. Nickelback uh, has fans. Oh, and, and, and then uh, Corey Taylor of Slipknot also did a song for that movie. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. they had two oh, major wow. uh, musical releases at, for that. I mean, that movie was such a big deal. It was and, like blown yeah. up. Well, Curtis, should I point out then that it's not a misprint on the script that Tobey Maguire is in this film. Along with Andrew Garfield, yeah. they were they reprised their I mean, Peter cats, Parker Spider-Man roles. Cats out of the bag, what? right? Okay, yeah. so one of the the things that made this movie so so amazing an experience for me um, was that you know my mother took me to go see the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. In fact, my mother has taken me to see basically every Spider-Man movie um, up until the Tom Holland era. And right. uh, I took her to, to go see Civil War with the when Tom Holland was you know he first came in as as Spider Man, and uh, she had no idea that Spider Man was joining the MCU at that point. So that was like a it was a mind blowing reveal for her. She was like Spider Man's in this movie, and I'm like yes, Spider Man <laughs> is in this movie. But then yep. we went we went to see this one, um, and I was like. Have you seen any promotional material for this movie whatsoever? <laughs> and my mother was like, "No, I really haven't. Um, I don't know how. She hadn't seen any ads. She hadn't seen any posters or anything. She was coming into this movie completely cold. Um, and she had just watched the entire MCU up until this point. So I brought her to the movie, and um, and we sat down. And as we were watching it, you know, like. Doctor Strange shows up and she's like, Doctor Strange is in this movie? And I was like, oh my gosh. Like, oh, she doesn't even know. You like, don't even know. <laughs> so, Doctor Strange shows up and then Alfred Molina shows up as as Doc Ock and she's like, Doctor Octopus is in this movie? <laughs> Just over and over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, like, like, yeah, no, seriously, every single time. It was just, um, she was like, this is such a real treat. Like, Willem Dafoe's back? You know, she was like, <laughs> oh and, and, and what's hilarious is that, like, she didn't catch on to, like, the what was 
like it was leading up to. So by the time Andrew Garfield shows up as Spider-Man, um, <laughs> she was like, what? She, <laughs> Spit take. Yeah. Soda she everywhere. Like, what? <laughs> and, and she was like, I had no idea. And then Tobey Maguire shows up and she's like, <gasps> what? <laughs> we watched this movie 20 years ago. You know, it was just such a, was such a wholesome moment. It's hard to believe it was 20 years ago. Oh, that, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, that hey, movie, and that movie it, was so good. And to oh, bring yeah. it full circle. Uh, in a few months, uh, a, uh, a Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is coming out, and guess who's directing it? Who? Sam Raimi. Who directed the first Spider-Man. Very cool. Yeah. So talk I, about I, I coming mean, around like, full Sam circle. Sam Raimi has major uh, horror like creds, too. Yeah. Oh, I, think, I think it's going to be a... I think that I'm excited. My wife's ass. crazy about Doctor Who. I bet she's going to yeah. be excited about yeah. that. Uh, the Cursed. The next movie, The Cursed. I... I really, I didn't know much about this. Okay, so this movie is a, it's a werewolf movie. Um, it's a yeah. period piece uh, set in, in England uh, and, and basically, you know, uh, landlord goes and kills a bunch of gyps, gypsies, uh, ends up with a werewolf curse on his hand. Yeah. Right. Um, I think this, it, it's nothing that I haven't seen before in, at least in terms of like kind of traditional werewolf stories. Story. The idea that the curse is passed through the teeth that they they make out of these like silver they make the the out of the silver from Judas Iscariot. Yeah, right? that's the other. That's a, kind of an interesting piece of lore. Yeah, for this movie, they wow. make they make a set of teeth that possesses like this person to wear them, and when the person wears them, they bite a nearby individual, and that individual becomes the werewolf. Yeah, oh. right. And, and then this werewolf like you know charges around town. Um, but it's just executed so well. I think. It is executed so well. And, and I think that what works is, at least for me, is like not only is this a really cool werewolf movie with, with some werewolf transformation stuff that I have never seen before. It's yeah. so fucking wild. Um, like the way they shift into the werewolf visually. Yeah. yeah they, and well, the werewolf the itself doesn't look like a, it's not like a it dog with like, fur. Yeah, it's, right. It's, 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 it's creepy. I yeah. think the, the design for these, the werewolf creatures are really awesome. I yeah. think I've been a little disinterested for a while about those types of things because you, it starts to look the same, you know, every time they yeah. do a werewolf thing, well, and that's it's the, the same thing. looking werewolf you, every time. How you know? do you innovate on a werewolf movie? Right. Right. And, and I, I don't know that this movie really does innovate a whole lot, but, but what it does do, I think, is dig into like the human uh, weight, if you will, um, of it, like a, a curse like the werewolf curse. And, and what I think this movie also does really well is is present, you know, kind of a commentary on um, the sins of. Uh, you know, call it imperialism or, or really the sims of, of just rich, wealthy, white landowners. Right. Um, and the way that they treat the indigenous peoples of a, a region, you know, I don't necessarily wow. know that the gypsies, quote unquote, in this case, in this movie, were, were necessarily the indigenous people of Britain. 
Right. Um, but they are, you know, like refugees, right? They, right. The symbolism is kind of yeah, still yeah. there. They've come yeah. to this land. I think they actually, you know what? I think they do lay claim to the land. They did. Yeah. That was the source yeah. of contention because they were like, you know, th- we own this land before you guys. Now, I don't think they were indigenous, but I think they had just right. a stake on the, the land. Yeah. They had a land stake. And the lord of this this land um, decides like, no, I, I'm not going to recognize that. And he has them slaughtered in one of the most breathtakingly horrific shots of any movie. Yeah. Really? Yeah, um, that was a yeah. That was yeah, very the slaughtering of the It's it's a static shot um on like a a tripod basically or whatever. Like it a wide shot like a, a distance. Big, a big wide shot. So you see the distance of the entire uh, encampment of these peoples as the 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 lord's men, you know, come in um, and brutally murder every single one of them. Oh, yeah. It is um, incredibly well choreographed and just one of the most most kind of breathtaking and horrifying, horrifyingly violent sequences. So you're getting the gravity of the situation kind of yeah. as a whole, right? Yeah, and, and I mean, it, it, it feels like it's such a super long shot. I bet if you actually timed that shot, it is not that long. Probably. Um, it's it's maybe like a minute and a half or two minutes long. But it feels like, I mean, the weight right. of that that whole sequence is just unbelievable. A little bit of trauma there. Yeah. Uh, it, it I think it, it does some stuff really, really well. Yeah. Um, and I think that on the whole, I felt very positive about this movie. Yeah. Yeah. In comparison, the <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Now, as a resident of Texas, this is particularly scary for me. Um, now, I don't I I haven't seen this incarnation of it, but um I've had my share of being completely disgusted and horrified by this uh yeah. series. I've never been much into these movies, so I and I did not watch this one. So It's grotesque. They're grotesque. They're yeah. extremely yeah. So this, violent. This yeah. movie is yeah, I mean, it does not hold back on its violence. Yeah, it is one of the Unabashed. bloodiest, uh, bloodiest slashers I think I've seen in a long, long time. Sarah Yarkin, Elsie Fisher, and Mark Burnham. Yeah, really not big names at all. Which is what you want for a movie like that. You know, you want some. Un- if yeah. your characters are unrecognizable, you feel a little more isolated. So I think in this the- is what's what makes the Texas Chainsaw um, series kind of interesting. Is that so many of these Texas Chainsaw um, filmmakers, because there are what? How many movies are there now in this series? Two hundred and thirty-six thousand. Yeah, there's got to yeah. be. I mean, I think it's like nine or ten. I was going to say for real. There's got to be like eight to ten. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so maybe it's eight. I don't remember. Um, <sighs> but there are a lot of these movies, and and a lot of these directors keep trying to look back. I'm like, well, what made the 1974 movie so interesting? Right. And I think that, um, for one, it was exceptionally low budget, right? Um, And it it was also kind of predicated on this weird um, kind of tension between, like, the... The hippie yuppies, right? The the ones that show up in the 
the VW van in yeah, the yeah. 70s, right? They don't know nothing about the country. Yeah, they don't know nothing about the country, and they, they show up, and then there's these... So they uh, deserve to die. Fucking, <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. these southern cannibals, right, which, like, come and, and like, kill them and eat them, and and it's a, it's a fucking nightmare. And because it's so low budget, because it's so right. grainy, and, and right. uh, the audio I is mean, muffled... They, they get away with way more in that movie than than anything else so attempts to revisit this with a bigger and bigger and bigger budget right i think sometimes misses the mark because it's always something of the like the politics of the moment i think this movie in particular um sits really poorly with me because of the way that it kind of frames its politics right in this movie it it revisits a lot of the same ideas of the original texas chainsaw the main characters are like college age kids with um, a lot of money who are coming to this podunk town in Nowheresville, Texas, where they've purchased all of the land, all of the buildings, and they've got a bunch of hipsters who are coming in to um, what's that word when you have hipsters come in and move into oh, gentrify? Gentrify. gentrify. Yeah. They're coming yeah. in to gentrify this area of Texas. Big mistake. And they are, <laughs> they are a diverse group of kids. You know, there's like... Oh, no, not in Texas. <laughs> You're going to pay for that. There's like the whole, the whole story kicks off because um, they show up. There's already this weird kind of like semi-racist... Um, but like like a thin blue line bro who shows up in his like gas guzzling giant Texas truck. Yeah. Um, and he's there. He's there. Uh, I don't know. He's their their landscaper or whatever. He's their their um, the guy who's been fixing up all of these buildings for sale to these hipster investors, gotcha. right? Um, and so the the group of hipsters show up in this town. And one of them, um, who's trying to show like, hey, don't you want to buy a stake in this town and help us gentrify it? He spots an old Confederate flag on a building and he says, oh, no, you can't fly that shit. And like, that's his original sin, right? He's like, <laughs> he looks at the the rich Southern history of Texas and is like, oh, no, racism. And he charges into this this abandoned orphanage or whatever where he encounters this old lady who uh, is like, no, but I bought the, I bought the deed to the house. Like you don't own this house. This is my property. And he doesn't believe her because of course he bought all the property. Right. Right. And so he, he's trying to take down the, the Confederate flag and he's not able to, and it really pisses this woman off. She has like a heart attack or, and dies and her son, her, like her Jeez. son or her, I don't know what the relationship is. I think it's her son. Her son's the Texas Chainsaw Massacre guy. Oh. So he Leatherface. Cut- yeah, yeah. Leatherface. Yeah. So he cuts her face off after a trip. Um, because of course. Right. <laughs> the, the police are trying to drive her off to uh, to a hospital or whatever. She cuts. He cuts her face off because she meant something to him. And then he's he indiscriminately slaughters every fucking yuppie in this movie. Right. Yeah. Except for the one kid. The the final girl of this movie is a girl who is also a final girl from her school shooting massacre. 
Ah, oh, and dude, this they, okay. All right, it yeah. makes it makes sense that Rotten Tomatoes gave it thirty-one. What I'm saying, so what is... I'm laying down is that this movie is quite possibly one of the worst fucking movies I've seen in this franchise from the way that it seems to glorify the violence against a quote-unquote woke generation. Right, like what's the lesson? You're, you're going to come in here and the, try to... So this is, a, this is a conservative... Leave Texas alone. This is Texas a MAGA's is wet fine. dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a MAGA yeah. wet dream. Yeah, if you come here with your hippie shit, we'll, we'll murder you. And if there was any hint... <laughs> is that the lesson? If there was any hint of irony in this whole fucking movie, right, that, that wanted to, to suggest at least a little bit, like... Um, you know, I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't be murdering uh, hipsters <laughs> trying to gentrify towns that nobody fucking lives in in Texas anyway. Right. Like maybe we should be embracing a culture of diversity and and look at what we can accomplish together. If there was any hint of irony at all that the the reading was not like let's just murder fucking kids i don't know <laughs> like maybe it would be a better movie yeah, oh. yeah. but oh. it doesn't and, and it it's sounds so, like it's kind of all over the place it is so the... gleeful in how it murders these uh these like uh gen zers or whatever yeah these millennials i guess they're more millennials yeah, when the whole thing started like in the 70s it seemed like the goal was just to be shocking was just to make something in that's a way completely horrifying i and mean because there's no there are no redeeming characters in yeah the movie. and i mean it also kind of serves a little bit as a, a commentary if you will on the growing divide between rural and urban spaces in the united states right and yeah. I think that this movie, especially in this moment, could have done the same thing. It could have had an interesting commentary. And it it's it definitely sets up that same dichotomy, right? Yeah. But I think that in the end of the movie, it it feels like it takes a real perverse glee in slaughtering indiscriminately the people who in this story are looking to create a kind of good change. I'm not yeah. saying that the characters, you know, these these uh, millennials or whatever, are necessarily good people because they have selfish motivations, and there are, um, especially like when it comes to the the one character, you know, he's so invested in making his money from this rural space that he cuts corners that actually do imp you know impact people's lives. Yeah, but it's also like, but it's like I don't unwittingly, know. right? It's also kind of like. Do we really have a whole lot of? Should we have sympathy for the people who are maybe displaced by this, this, um, you know, gentrification or this, this like like revitalization of some of these, these spaces when those people are fucking racist maniacs? They're, I was gonna say they're murderers. Who gives a shit? I don't like, know. Yeah, I just. How can you take their side on anything if they're murderers? It's poorly with me that the whole. It's like, oh, this this situation could have been avoided if we had just had some empathy, because it's just arming this weird radical, uh, like white right wing nut job to get a, a chainsaw and murder people on a party bus. Yikes. 
Uh, Jeez. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It, it just sounds like a hard. Feels thing very one dimensional. Like, yeah, I did. I did not enjoy it, is, it. Yeah, I mean, like that's the vibe I got from all those movies. It's one dimensional. It's just yeah, slaughter. If you're just going for for the the wholesale slaughter, like let me tell you, holy shit, is there a lot of it blood delivers and guts. right? But all yeah. the all those story elements but the though, rest, those seem really yeah, it just odd. I, like after the movie was over, I was like, holy shit, that's a fucking wild movie, and and. Some of it, I mean, like a part of it is fun because you don't go to watch a Texas Chainsaw movie and not see some people get murdered by a ch- uh, like a chainsaw from Texas. Um, but but also, you know, at the end of the day, I was just like, man, I don't know what it is about this movie that is just so deeply unpalatable to me. The yeah, there's there's real hatred in the world, and yeah. Yeah, there's no reason to stoke that type of cultural yeah. Uh, Bullshit. You, you stumbled onto something though, and I would like to ask you this: Is the chainsaw from Texas? Well, yeah. I mean, is it, it a Texas I chainsaw? Don't know. Like, could've... was it made in Texas? I don't know. And then used, or is it just here? Here's what's hilarious about this <laughs> dumb fucking movie. You, China. you ready? Chinese <laughs> when chainsaw. When he goes to retrieve his chainsaw, um, he <laughs> it's electric. He apparently <laughs> yeah, the cord's yeah. too short. Yeah. It unplugs while he's running. <laughs> he's like, oh, oh shit. <laughs> Um, no, he apparently, because this is the same guy who murdered all those people in the seventies, right? Um, he's really old now. Yeah. Well, that, and that's another thing. He's like, can he even start that thing anymore? He's super old and yet immortal. Right. Um, like a, like a Mike Myers. He goes type, to retrieve his chainsaw because obviously it's chainsaw time. And, uh, and his chainsaw, <laughs> his chainsaw is buried in the wall. Like they, of this orphanage, they, they like put the cha- they put the chainsaw in the wall and then like like you know papered the like like put the drywall up and then papered the wall and stuff to to hide it and so when it's chainsaw time he like has to get like an axe or something and he like chops through the wall and and you're like what is he doing um because he's in a bedroom and like one of the characters is trapped under the bed that he's like blasting the the drywall down on and then he pulls out his chainsaw, and I'm like, of course he was... It's just know, supposed to be the moment where you chainsaw. go, uh-oh. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, you're like, what's he getting? What's he's he getting his chainsaw. Oh, shit. It's so fucking stupid. <laughs> yeah. It's he's like got an axe. Stupid. He's got an axe, and yeah. he uses the axe to get the chainsaw. To get the chainsaw. Because oh you can't God, have dude. a Texas chainsaw mask. What if he doesn't have, like... What if he didn't have but like the right the mix of no, oil I'm and gas? Saying, like <laughs> he needs the theater. Well, and that's another thing. Has this chainsaw been in that fucking wall for forty or fifty fucking years? Fifty years? Oh my god! It so this a... chainsaw was in the wall for fifty fucking years, and and it still just starts like, and it's just fucking yeah. ready to go, it's ready like to chop people in half. It doesn't need gas. It just yeah. lives on hatred. I mean, so dumb. If yeah, I were ever, that is really dumb. I'd love to see like a short of one of those movies where the dude goes to all that trouble to get the chainsaw and somebody walks up with a 12 gauge and just shoots him in the head. Seriously, well, no, yeah. But that's like, another thing. That's another thing because the, like a Texas Ranger, that the final girl from the first, the 70s movie, shows up as a recurring character, not played by the same actress, um, but, but the same character mm. shows up. She's a Texas Ranger now and she comes in with a fucking shotgun and she's got him like dead to rights. And she's like, can you just tell me why you killed all my friends? And he says nothing because, of course, he's a fucking sociopath murderer. And she just lets him go. She just she doesn't shoot him. And then later on, she she tries to shoot him. And she's the worst shot of any Texas Ranger I've ever <laughs> oh fucking <my> seen. <laughs> so she's like the Jamie Lee Curtis of this movie. Like, you if know, Jamie, that, that Laurie Strode. If Jamie gonna... Lee Curtis was like an 
actual pussy. Like, just, <laughs> yeah. she, was yeah, badass in that was a, yeah. she was badass in that film. And yeah. I, I say, I'm not, I say that not to be like gender discriminating. I'm just saying like, come the fuck on. You're the worst Texas Ranger I have ever seen in any media. Yeah. And we yeah. have watched Walker. This is including not just Walker, Texas Ranger, the first one. You remember the the song? But the CW, Texas Ranger. The eyes of the Ranger. Ranger. The eyes of the Ranger are upon you. (laughs) Everything you do, he's going to see. It's like he's law enforcement. Like, you know, he's not supposed to be like omnipotent. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Copaganda bullshit. Anyway. Anyway. That's a different podcast. Now that we've spent 30 fucking minutes on Texas Ranger. That was way too long. I hate that movie. So, yeah. Yeah, um, uh, Uncharted with Tom Holland, Mark Wahlberg. Never watched it. Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> Marky Mark. Marky Mark and yeah. the Funky Bunch. Yeah. Mark, Tom Holland and Marky Mark. Uh, I mean, this Rotten Tomatoes so gave this a forty percent. Yeah, I, I'm just gonna say if you are a fan of uh, like National Treasure style adventure movies, this one hits the mark. Is this I, based on the video game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. cool. I love I, the games. I'm not going to say that it's as good as the games because the games are way better, honestly. <laughs> That's <laughs> but, not usually the case. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. I think I think because video game movies are really hard to make. Because now I'm really video conflicted are, about watching Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, Mortal Kombat oh, was the biggest piece of shit of all time uh, because they didn't do any of the gore. So, yeah, it's oh, yeah. it's hard to do a, I a will, movie I will about see, a video I, game. I will see it. your Mortal Kombat, sir, and I will raise you a Street Fighter. Ooh, good Street point. Fighter is such an. It's so weird how that movie is both watchable and completely <laughs> unforgivable. And and uh, Mortal Kombat is unwatchable and unforgivable. Okay, I feel like I feel the opposite. Dude, I feel like okay. Which, when he punched which, Goro which in the nuts. Kombat? Which Mortal Kombat are we talking about? The, the very ni- first Mortal the Kombat. The 90s movie. one. Yes. yes. That movie is fucking gold, and I will fight you over it. Ah! <laughs> Not a drop of blood. <laughs> All right, well, when yeah, you're okay. when you're my sure. age and you're playing the game and Sub Zero pulls out someone's spine, sure, and yeah, then the okay. movie's coming out and you're like, I get to see spine ripping in, de- in graphic detail, and then they didn't do a fucking second of any of that. I was like, oh god, I I felt so ripped off, no, so ripped off. I, I you could watch that, that shit in front of your parents. I, 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 I could even dope. I love that Christopher Lambert. Well, well, he's like running around as Raiden. <laughs> yeah, oh, like yeah. His laugh. What's up with his Raiden's laugh. voice? His laugh. His laugh. He's like, all right. Anyway, fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. But what about Super Mario Brothers? Uh, unwashable. Oh, with Dennis Hopper and John Leguizamo. John Leguizamo. He's my favorite. <laughs> and and the guy that played Smee. Yeah. On uh, Hook. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. was Mario. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, Bob what was Hos- his name? Uh, Bob Hoskins. That movie that is, is awesome. Fucking wild. I know man. a photographer from Dallas who looks no, exactly so, like Bob Hoskins. I mean, Uncharted Hoskins. as a movie, like I don't know. I, I feel oh yeah, like, that was what we were talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I feel Uncharted. like the Uncharted movies or the Uncharted games are like it's like a gourmet hamburger, and like Uncharted the movie is like going to McDonald's for one. Okay, so, oh, that's like, a bummer. I mean, it, like it's still it's still a burger. Right and like, yeah. there are gonna be aficionados of that burger. I don't think that there's anything necessarily wrong with a McDonald's burger. It's not the best burger you're gonna have, right. but like, right. it's recognizably a burger. Right. So, so it's does not, that make it's Mark not Wahlberg a fucking the like special a vegan sauce? Burger. It's edible, and you'll be fine. 
<laughs> After consumption, you'll yeah. probably be okay. Is Marky Mark the special sauce? Uh, I just picture him making that face the whole time. Honestly, Marky Mark... Did he do the confused like, would, oh, eyebrows yeah, the whole course. movie? What the fuck? What's Straight up, I think Marky Mark is a delight to watch in almost every movie. <laughs> I think he's great. Except uh, that 21 Blocks. Okay, I don't that, think we, that we enjoyed that. Mile 22 or, or whatever, whatever that was called, yeah. That movie's bad, but I I don't think that that's not Marky, Mark. Marky Mark's problem. Like, that's just the director doesn't know how to make a fucking And he's movie. been making movies for, like, forever. Yeah. Uh, the Big Hit was my favorite Mark Wahlberg movie. Yeah. 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 I, I, I'm, t- I'm telling you, I love 1998. 1998 was such a good year for movies. I love his weird, confused, whiny voice. What? Like, what? It's yeah. so funny. Yeah. I enjoyed Ted and Ted, too. I'm Mark Wahlberg. Why I'm did you confused. put the gun in the safe? I'm always kind of whispering when I talk a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> he's <laughs> a lot of fun. Uh-huh. So what do we have next? Death on the Nile. Sorry, let me say that again. Death on the Nile. It's <laughs> like the, the most metal. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Death. <laughs> I'm sure that's what Agatha Christie meant when she made yeah. Death on the Nile. Death on the Nile. Well, one of my favorite death metal bands is called Nile. So that, oh, that just really rung a bell for me. Yeah. Uh, this anyway. I was going to make a joke about Fraser because I'm rewatching the, the Fraser T. And just, his brother's I, name is Nile. it's really, really oh, funny. Yeah, yeah. I the, think the, what's the funny is like you shout death, of, uh, uh, death on the Nile with like... <laughs> You know your metal band voice, and then the, the, the main characters, uh, Hercule Poirot. Oh, he's like a Belgian. Okay, so it's a little more. Uh, it's uh, Kenneth Branagh. A little more suave. And he, and he, I... He's directing and starring as Hercule Poirot. Yeah, Poirot. And uh, yeah, Gal, Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot and Army Hammer. Yeah. Gal, Gal Gadot. Remember, folks, Gal from Gadot our Charles Adams Gadot. episode that Charles Adams. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, you know what? Army I, I felt like this movie was really competent. Um, I, it's a murder mystery, so you you know what you're getting into when you go in. I think if you've read the book, it has no surprises. Um, stylistically, you can tell that this movie was shot during COVID. Like, there's a lot of. Um, just like the, the, the camera spinning around a person it as they're with a webcam? The whole movie is filmed with a webcam? Is that how you know it was during COVID? Oh, yeah, basically. <laughs> no, it, it's, it's more like the blocking. They you know, like, zoom the yeah. whole thing. It's like the blocking. You'll see them, like, characters are having a, a talk with each other, but they're clearly, like, like eight feet apart. Right. right? <laughs> and I, I just think this is so fucking funny. The way that they, they try to create, like, well, we're going to do something really interesting with this scene. Where you're like you have a you have a monologue so what we're going to do is we're going to spin the camera around you in a 360 and like you just deliver your monologue but we're constantly spinning around you while you're doing it and it's like they're just hiding the fact that that dude was in front of a green screen and couldn't stand around other people because of covid you know what they should have done they should have put green masks on everybody and then animate their mouths moving on top of the green screen mask right i would have actually really enjoyed that yeah they could film their real mouth in the different room yeah. and then just display it right, onto right, right. their green. That'd be whatever. that's a that's a high level production trick right it's there. It's like the Superman's mustache thing in the Justice League. You know, <laughs> oh my god! They, they, yeah, because what? Yeah, because yeah. uh, uh, Henry Cavill was was filming um, Mission Impossible and yeah, had to right. come in and do some reshots for the the Justice League movie. 
and he had the mustache for Mission Impossible, and he wasn't going to shave it off. So what they did was they removed his mustache in post. And so you get these shots of Superman where he's, like, grimacing at Batman and shit. And it looks so fucking terrible. Oh, no. Oh, they didn't see, pull it off? They No, because they digitally re-sculpted the entire lower half of his face. That's insane. It's bad. That's insane. It's bad. Oh, Was it God. as bad as the next entry on our list? Which is Moonfall, the, okay, directed by Roland I- Roland Emmerich. Emmerich. I <laughs> I was gonna say Emmerich. I gotta I be wish, honest. I wish I had come in to the studio as I was watching this movie because my thoughts are so like vast and complex. So much more vast and complex. We're about than to add thirty more minutes to this fucking movie. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> this is oh, worth no. it. Let me tell 38% you. Thirty eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So I'm That's generous. <laughs> oh. Okay, so uh Roland Emmerich. Roland Emmerich was the director of um uh, Independence Day and yeah. the, the first one? Yeah the first He's one. He's done all those and disaster films, hadn't he? Yeah, like he did 2012. And, he did yeah. Day After Tomorrow. I really, really liked Independence Day okay, in, until I, think, I watched it as an adult. <laughs> I think that Independence Day was his last good movie. Oh, that's not It was good. also like his first movie, wasn't it? So, I don't know. I don't think I don't, it was his first it one. It may not have been, but it, it was, was his a only... really big hit. Dude, he blew right? up the White House and freaked everybody out. It was fucking wild. Everybody freaked that movie out when the is, White House blew up in that, that movie. That movie is bonkers. <laughs> yeah. uh, so this movie is was supposed to be like kind of his return to like a... Both a, a a really destructive kind of like eco movie because that's what he's done a lot of previously. You know, like twenty twelve was like an end of the world movie. He does a lot of oh these, that was him. Yeah, he does a lot of these like disaster movies, right? Right. Um, but this one was kind of his return to like um a, another big uh kind of like sci fi thing. Um, he, he did that with the Independence Day sequel, but that was kind of a sequel. This is supposed to be its own thing. And the whole premise is like the moon is a superstructure and it's like a space arc, right? Like it, it, it has like the DNA of all, all human race and, and basically the human race's alien forebears created this superstructure, but the superstructure is infected by a massive AI that's aiming to blow up the moon and then blow up all of earth because it wants to eradicate human life. Naturally. Yeah. Naturally, <laughs> this is the most sensible. As these things tend to go. This is the most sensible <laughs> part of the movie. Let's let's talk about how, how about this? Like they get into the superstructure of the moon, and the one nerd, the fat nerd who uh, would never survive in space. Let's be real. Um, he, Didn't you say he couldn't go? He said he couldn't go initially because oh, he, he had he, IBS. He couldn't go because he has irritable bowel syndrome. <laughs> And and uh, and and uh, what's his face? Good old what? Yeah, good old Patrick Wilson is like. Um, but but think about it. Haven't you always wanted to go? And he's like, I have always wanted to go to the moon. And so they they talk him out of his IBS. And <laughs> Fuck it. Yeah. I'll have a tummy ache on the moon. Yeah. Well, I just I think what's so upsetting is that like he doesn't shit his pants at any uh, part in the movie, which really would have been the payoff for that joke. Well, if you're weightless, yeah, I don't want to see a zero gravity. Pants I do. Shit. <laughs> I would rather see that than fucking Moonfall. <laughs> he gets yeah. into the superstructure of the moon. The and, physics of and diarrhea like, in space. Yeah. <laughs> They're looking for the power source of the of the moon right the power source of the moon and they're like it's a it's a, a a dwarf a white dwarf star at the center of the moon and i'm like 
What? <laughs> yes. What? Yes. In the center of the moon, it's powered by a white dwarf star. A star I is coated want, in powdery want, rocks. I just want you to think about this. Dude, that is insane. How big is the smallest recorded white dwarf star? Because that it's definitely so multiple times bigger than the fucking moon. I'm not an astrophysicist, but my God. Well, neither is Roland Emmerich. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe he should have talked with no, one. No, so when they need to get to the moon, right? They, they like... Halle, oh my god! <laughs> like Sounds like we could do a PTSD. mini episode on this one. Oh my god. Halle Berry, who is who is the the director of NASA. Here's how Halle Berry gets her job in this movie. Right, she's hanging out with the director of NASA. They find out that the moon is a, a, a superstructure. The moon's orbit is changing, and it's going to. Oh, blow I thought up. you meant how she got the job in the movie, like yeah. like uh, got the role. <laughs> Oh, no, no, no. I was like, what? No, she got you the role that? by being Halle Berry. Right. <laughs> in fact, you know what? I think she got the role based on the strength of her acting career in, like, specifically Catwoman. Like, that's... Oh, yeah. She brings the same energy to this I was movie. thinking the first X-Men when it's like, do you know what happens to a toad when it gets struck by lightning? Yeah. At least that line was good. I can imagine. What? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the answer I... is same thing as everything else. Pop? Yeah. 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 Uh, no, well, so, at least you didn't bring that monster's ball energy yeah, to this so movie. So Halle Berry is <laughs> hanging out with the director of NASA, and they, they discover, like that the moon's orbit is changing. So the director of NASA, as they're discovering that the Earth is doomed, right, picks up his phone, calls his wife and says, pack your bags, we're leaving. And I'm like, to fucking where? We're leaving. Where are you gonna go that you're gonna survive a fucking moon crash? Titan's nice this time of year. (laughs) I'm just sitting in disbelief. He's like, pack your bag. Where are you? We're talking about an extinction level event and you're we're just like I'm. We're going to Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, we're we're gonna what? have some beach fun. Yeah, what are you expecting? For our last few days. So what? Where were they going? So uh, who knows? We, we oh, don't it doesn't know. reveal. It doesn't, say, it doesn't say. So so the director of NASA is like, I'm I'm heading out of town. Like fuck this job. Here you're now Halle Berry. You're you're the director of NASA. So she just ends up the director of NASA. Totally how that works, I'm sure. Yeah, of course, yeah. obviously. Um, so she, she like, puts together this mission. They're going to launch a rocket um, up to the moon because they, they got to get a space shuttle to the moon in order to keep the moon from blowing up. She, she gets a bunch of people, like, thousands of people working for NASA, and they start putting together, cobbling together this fucking rocket to send this fucking shuttle to the moon. And the and a moonquake happens, and uh, I and fucking f- hate moonquakes. Yeah, I fucking moonquakes, right? <laughs> and it fucks up one of the rockets, and and they basically they blow. I really out don't like engine. the moon aftershocks. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Really get this, bad. I, is there is there any seismic activity on the moon? <laughs> no. The moon's allegedly the moon's gravity fucks with Earth gravity because it gets too close and then it like creates a, a the, the water a moonquake. Yeah. Oh, oh, the moonquake. Yeah. yeah so the, the moon's gravitational pull fucks up like Earth gravity and then Earth gravity's tectonics like fuck up whatever. This it all breaks, sounds really made up on it, the spot. Of yeah. course, it breaks <laughs> one of the engines for the ship and and so like Halle Berry's like well. I guess we got to scrub the launch. Sorry, guys. We've had a good run. So she sends everybody home. And within, t- like, literally two minutes, uh, fucking every NASA person has left. And they're <laughs> like, well, we still got to get to the moon. And and one of the fat 
IBS guy. It's like, well, like what we can do is we only need the one rocket, right? Let's just, we only need the one engine. We'll just fire our rocket up and we'll use the moon's gravity to pull us the rest of the way. And she's like, that's just fucking crazy enough to work. <laughs> and she's like, but you're like but smart, but we can't do it. I just sent home the entire launch crew. And Patrick Wilson is like, we only need two people. <laughs> All you need is we just got to push the button to launch. <laughs> it's so easy. Why do we have NASA? That's what I'm saying. Because it only takes two fucking people. Oh my god, dude! She oh. goes. She goes looking for secrets of the moon um, because she's like she's been kept out of like the top secret. There's mission. a movie title. Secrets yeah. of the moon. She, she's been kept moon. out of like the top secret information that the moon is a Sunday, f- fucking Sunday, artificial Sunday. Con- <laughs> construct, right? Never mind the fact that at the beginning of the movie, Patrick Wilson sees the fucking AI like like bullshit the the nanobite <laughs> bullshit that comes out of the moon and she and he's there with Halle Berry and Halle Berry isn't privy to any of the, the fucking mission information so anyway she gets her clearance from NASA she's as one the of the two of people how does she not know I don't know <laughs> exactly she's part so of the NASA gets, duo she gets the, the clearance to go find this information from NASA she goes into the NASA secret files she finds a grainy VHS like VHS tape mind you we're talking about a VHS tape that was somehow recorded from digital like virtual streaming from the moon mission that she was just recently on why why is that information on a grainy VHS tape? You're telling me that someone has like a VHS tape to record the stuff that you would just put on a fucking thumb drive? Okay. Odd so, choice. It's so stupid. I'm telling At you, best. it's because they can pull the tab on the VHS tape and put the tape over, like the scotch tape over it, <laughs> oh, and yeah. you can't record over can't it. Record That's right. Over. That's right. So she, she's reviewing the VHS tape <laughs> for like the secret information of the moon. And then uh, I think it's Donald Sutherland. Um, uh, he shows up and he's like, "What are you doing in here?" And uh, uh, she's like, "Like looking at secret moon information." And he's like, "This is top secret. You're not. You can't look at this information." And she's like, "Tell me about the moon." And he's like, "Okay, I'll tell you everything I know about the moon." I was like, "You just came in here because of a security concern because you were like, you can't know this information." And she asks you one fucking question, and then you're like, "Yeah, I'll spill it." All right. Moon. I'm pretty Moon's positive. Falling. I got nothing else going I'm, on. I'm pretty positive that when I've I've heard the same story pitched to me when I've gone and told people like, hey, I'm an author, I'm a writer or something, and you get like these people who want to be writers, but they've never like gotten into yeah. it officially. So what you're hearing and they, is and they come up and they're like, Ooh, I have a great idea for a story, see? And they're like an eighth you know, an eight year old like telling you this yeah. this idea and yeah. That's and this movie. That's that's who wrote this. Hopelessly nobody, full of holes and, nobody, and inconsistencies yeah. and all that. Yeah. Nobody. Somebody went up to Roland Emmerich. Somebody ro- went up to Roland Emmerich and said that, like, like pitched this, and he's like, "It's so crazy, it might work." <laughs> I hope they said Roland that. Roland Emmerich, movie. And like, yeah, whoever, whoever has he wrote ever this? had a like turned down an idea? Like, I just, I feel like, okay, uh, like I know I, I rely pretty heavily on the joke of like how much cocaine was in that room. <laughs> oh, dude, I mean. Did it, they spend their one hundred and forty-six million dollar budget on <laughs> on cocaine? <laughs> cocaine was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, every time you say cocaine. Uh, like legitimately, cocaine. I I just can't wrap my head around 
<laughs> what a fucking boondoggle this this movie <laughs> this is. This guy this guy has like some uh uh, what's the the other director that's goofy? Um, Transformers. Michael Bay. Yeah. Does he have there like some Michael some, Bay vibes about him? There is some real Michael yeah. Bay energy in here. Right. Yeah. Roland Emmerich and Michael Bay are playing this game of yes and or this game of like hold my beer. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm making this movie. Oh yeah, well hold my beer. Watch I'll what I it. do. Yeah. There, there are subplots of this movie that I'm like, what the fuck is happening here? I yeah. I think like Land Rover or whatever the fuck <laughs> must have paid him a whole bunch of movie to be like, make sure you have a solid forty minute ch- like so, B plot. So that's what the, these movies are kind of about, really. Oh, product yeah. placement, yeah, yeah product, product placement, placement for yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Lots have, of really have, exciting <laughs> visuals, and then in a movie called a Moonfall, I really want you to dig into the pathos of the characters that are left in fucking Colorado <laughs> as the moon is falling. <laughs> Don't show us the fucking whatever white dwarf star in the middle, which doesn't make any fucking sense. Don't show us any of that. <laughs> I don't, don't even don't know explain it... any of the lore of your du- your stupid movie. Just exposit it to us in a twelve minute dialogue, oh like in the, in the the fucking last act of the movie. It's Jesus like sometimes Christ. these these. It's like uh, their whole thing is like, who cares? It's a movie. Like if you ask any questions, yeah, yeah, you know, like why, how does a star fit in the? Who cares? It's a movie. Yeah, it's a movie. I, I can't stand when people say that. Who cares? It's a movie. Yeah. Movies are supposed to make you I feel just, stuff because they're based in some this movie, little bit of reality. This right? movie had me laughing aloud the entire fucking runtime. I was cackling <laughs> like a good. maniac. And it's not because this movie is good. It's because with every choice, they made the worst fucking choice possible right. <laughs> for telling this story. I don't think I've ever Unreal. liked a Halle Berry movie. I mean, what, Halle, what movie? Okay, there her are big some movies were like Swordfish. She did like Gothica. And she won an award for Gothica. Gothica, yeah. I like the James Bond movie, but then she was in a bikini for that one. So I was gonna yeah. say, every time she's in a movie that I liked, she was kind of being sexualized, which is basically distracting from what's going on in the movie. I do, I just yeah. straight up, I do not think she's a good actor. No, yeah. thank you. Yeah. I'm like afraid to say. It. I'm like waiting on somebody else to say it. No, I, I <laughs> everybody think loves Halle Berry. I, I think, think she's, she's a terrible actor. She's yeah, it's shitty. It's real shit. Monsters Ball just was, oh my God. I never watched that, but that made me, like, I'm, I'm not a Her fan of that kind of. Her was like, what? Yeah. Dude, too much. I, it's will, like, never forget, I will never forget the, the infamous basketball sequence of Catwoman. Oh god! See, I'm I, I'm not gonna watch it, like, cause I'm done. I've been done with Halle Berry since like the early 2000s. Okay, that that Catwoman movie. Well, I mean, that wasn't Catwoman was a mess because Halle Berry is legitimately terrible, right? Um, <laughs> but also because like the editors of that movie is like ungodly. It's fucking crazy. Cloud Atlas. Uh, Cloud it's Atlas, not good yeah. because of Halle Berry, but I was actually able to yeah. enjoy that movie despite. The fact she was in it. Yeah. So that's that's something. The one thing I will say about Halle Berry is that she received a Razzie, I think, for her performance of, of uh, Catwoman. And I'm pretty sure she's, she showed up in person to receive it and then, like, went full tilt. Um, <laughs> like, just... Pl- I, I can't remember if it was like she was playing along or... What? I mean, she had a legendary performance at the Razzies one year. Oh, man. Where she was, I mean, she, she actually showed up to accept it. Because nobody shows up to accept a Razzie. No. She did. <laughs> um, and she did it as part of this performance of, of like, yeah, well, you know what? I'm going to own the fact that 
you know, this and is a it, shitty movie. And my, I'm guessing it didn't really land that, you know, like... No, people really appreciated it. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. yeah. I, 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 I visualized like that being a really cringy moment, because she, she makes me cringe a lot. Well, I mean, it is... Cr- but, I mean... Like, you know, when some people try self-deprecation, razzy. but they're kind of just like... Yeah, you don't get a Razzie without being, like, incredibly cringy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you kind of got it. I mean, the Razzies themselves are pretty cringe. That's... I'm waiting for our Razzie for the podcast. Yeah, if I had to uh, <laughs> if I had to create a list it. of people to get Razzies, I think Halle Berry would definitely do Definitely that. earned it. All right, enough cool, about Cool, guys. Moonfall. Enough for Halle Berry. So we got, we got a few more movies to check out here, so... Um, okay, you want to talk about a bad movie. Was it Gucci or nah? It was not nah, Gucci. House of <laughs> House of Gucci. There's a back of the paper. There's, there's a page two. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Oh shit! You were pa- you were packing up. I was like, guys, we're done. We're we done. Nope, we're just getting started. House of we Gucci. did it. House of Gucci, directed by Ridley Scott, starring Lady Gaga, Adam Driver, Al Pacino, Jer- Jeremy Irons, and uh, Mr. Mario himself. Jared Leto. <laughs> uh, what? 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 Oh, Jared yeah. Leto's Jared in this movie. Le- yeah, I and forgot he to play, put his he name on plays one of the Gucci like cousins or whatever. So you're saying that it was not Gucci? It is not. Nah. A, nah. You said Mr. Mario. What does that mean? So uh, Jared Leto. Okay, let me preface. <laughs> Every single one of these actors in this movie has an Italian accent. <laughs> oh no way I know where you're going with this now uh, what's hilarious is that number one I don't think Ridley Scott hired anything approaching any kind of accent coach for any of these actors not a single one of them <sighs> so it's it's hilarious because you, you listen to them and they have a conversation and you're like which region of Italy is Lady Gaga from Wh- which which region of Italy is Adam Driver supposed to be from? Like right. they're speaking in an Italian accent that sounds like someone who doesn't know what an Italian accent lo- like like sounds like. It's like from a, it's like a Chef Boyardee commercial. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. It's a good. No, it's a nice. So like Lady Gaga like is doing. Lady Gaga is doing I like. what, I, what I can only imagine must be like like an an accent from Italy placed in New Jersey. Right. And then right. we get to Jared Leto. But she's from like New York or New Jersey, isn't she? Yeah. So she probably yeah. just turned on I'm her. I'm assuming she did better than anybody with the the Italian. I think it was Al Pacino real, would her, probably do pretty it good. Was, no, Al Pacino just sounds like a fucking. Hey, oh, I'm Al Pacino. He sounds hey, oh, like a sounds fucking like New Yorker uh, <laughs> Italian. So did they all kind of phone in the accent? No, I mean like Who Lady Gaga really, really tried, but her yeah. accent is also really inconsistent. Adam Driver does the most inconsistent <laughs> Uh, like accent like you can tell he's really trying but also like come on but then we get to Jared Leto uh, and Jared Leto is like it's a me <laughs> I was waiting for you to say that I make Italian suits oh it's a me it's a me the Joker listen do you have some money for the suits oh my god it's a me everyone's I'm, least favorite Joker not- I am not joking. I I am not exaggerating that. That is genuinely how he comes in to every single one of the the roles. Mamma mia! Yeah, like every scene he shows up, I'm like, what fucking clown car did this guy come out of? Jared Leto? How did, but how did Ridley... 
But how <laughs> Razzie, oh, no, yes. Raz, yeah, he's yeah. gonna win that Razzie. Max Raz. I just am like, <laughs> how did how did Ridley Scott, like acclaimed director Ridley Scott, sit down, make this movie, and when Jared Leto comes out and he's like, I'ma make a sasuits. Uh, <laughs> I spilled the meatball under my pants. Oh no, oh no. And what Ridley Scott do? is like, more. <laughs> yes, more. <laughs> A star I mean, is being born. Dig into this, Jared Leto. Yes. Dude, the fact that anybody thought It's a that dwarf it was, star, but the, it's being born nonetheless. <laughs> We're going to put it in the moon. I can Roland Emmerich, I have an knowing, idea for you. Knowing Jared Leto, too, and his like like stupid, like, I only am ever in character, like his stupid method so acting, dumb. whatever. So dumb. I can only imagine that he comes home from work and his, his girlfriend or his wife or whatever is like, how'd it go? And he's like, it was a really a hard day. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want for dinner tonight, honey? I want the I want the spaghetti, <laughs> like a mama used to make. Make it the sauce, <laughs> and when you make it the sauce, really make it the sauce. Oh, I want the wow. tomato. We're being just awful. <laughs> but that's the joke. But that's the, the whole joke. Thing. That's the what he's doing. The joke isn't stereotyping Italian people. The joke is stereotyping Jared, Jared Leto. Leto. He's actively <laughs> stereotyping Italian people. Dude, uh, it's oh. fucking unreal. I mm. didn't watch the Joker movie with him, but I watched somebody review it and point out how bad it was, oh. and all these facts about him, like. Doing weird stuff on set, uh, like yeah. putting dead rats in people's trailers Sending and people stuff. Sending people used because he's the Joker and, and that's what oh, he does. Uh, insufferable. And none of it landed with anybody. They were just disturbed. Yeah, he seems yeah. like a real weird. Yeah. Fucking so this weirdo. this movie, if you if you want to watch <laughs> anything <Jared Leto. laughs> about like House of Gucci, you go to watch it just to fucking laugh at how this movie, oh, how how utterly batshit this movie ends up being because of the creative choice. I will not watch it now that I know Jared Leto's I, in Yeah, it. I won't either. Nope. It's unreal. What Encanto. about... Yeah, this feels like it's going totally different different direction as I far as... I loved this one. Yeah. Loved it. Um, Dude, I, 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, because really this good. is a good fucking movie. Um, it's, you know, it's a, like a movie about a, a generation of people who live in this magical house and they get magical powers. It's a Disney movie. Um, right, right. And, and, and But it's really, I think it's more a movie about um, trying to live up to the expectations of the generation that came before you. Right. And, preserving and, the pressure of preserving tradition. Yeah, yeah. yes, exactly. And, and, yeah. and like trying to find yourself and your sense of identity mm-hmm. um, and, and, and still try to like be your authentic self when so many people want something from you right, or expect right. something from you which works in so many social arenas yeah. that that type of framing so it, it's yeah. an absolutely beautiful movie everybody is talking about the the song um the bruno song we don't talk about bruno which i think has become bruno um, yeah th- there's a character bruno. bruno oh i was like bruno mars did a song for the movie no 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 it's the, the, the character yeah, yeah. character named Bruno uh, and nobody talks about him and so there's a song like we don't talk about Bruno which has actually kind of been co-opted by I think the LGBTQ community about you know the fact that so many of their their family abandoned them for their identity you know for the things they can't change about themselves yeah and this character Bruno like tells the future right that's kind of his thing and people misinterpret 
understand him because of that. And they cast him as a villain that he really is not. Um, and so I think they, that's been used as a metaphor. For me, I think the banger of the movie is this song that, that one of the sisters sings about the, the weight and the pressure of... Um, sing it for us. I can't sing it. Uh, <laughs> it but it's like the, the weight and the pressure of just like having to live up to people's expectations of you. Yeah. And I think yeah. it's a, I think it's a beautiful movie. It's beautifully animated. I think it's got so much heart. So like so much to really actually say, which I think is very rare in yeah. a lot of animated cool. films. A lot of these Disney movies that have come out over the past 10 years, I'm just like, man, you know, don't release a movie just because you haven't released one in a year. Right. Like, wait till you've got a story that yeah. actually means something. And I, I, think I feel like these movie, stories are And this like one's now on Disney Plus, too. It so is, yeah. It's... And yeah, this one, this one stood out to me much more than, uh, God, dude. There's like a list of Fucking like eight movies that like I just frozen. don't care about. <laughs> no, yeah. And I... they're visual. They're all visually stunning. They're all masterpieces yeah. of like graphic design. And, yeah. But whatever. If the story's not there, it's really hard for me because Disney, that's what they do. It's the yeah, story it's that story. matters with Disney movies. I'm this, I'm going to take a great. little a little bit of a turn in that we've seen so many of these like computer animated kind of films coming out. Like that seems to be the new animation. I want to see like the old school like cartoon, a hand. right? Like the yeah. hand drawn. I think like, the last animated. time they did one was like uh, Hercules, Pocahontas. Uh, I think it was actually Lilo and Stitch. Oh yeah, well, oh, that's yeah, right. Yeah, it was like the late nineties. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Maybe that's not true. Maybe they. Maybe it was Princess and the Frog. Uh, maybe. Oh, I can't remember point. if it's, that one was. Yeah. But I can't remember if that was digitally animated or if it was like if it was like actually hand painted or hand. Animated. I mean, I don't think they've done a hand uh, cartoon mm -hmm. since like, man, a really long time, like before uh, Lion King, right? No, I mean, they I, were doing. They were doing yeah, computer. Maybe. I mean, even then, computer. though, it was still yeah. had that animation kind of style, and and it was it it's was two D. It was yeah, it was two D. Yeah. But they still yeah, for and, a large part. And it was really computers. interesting, like when Toy Story first came out and they did this kind of new thing. But now it's like everybody does it. It's like I want to go back to the two D kind of right. Kinda I would like animation. to see more handcrafted animation. Yeah, yeah, I, I really would. Take um, the time, spend the mm -hmm. money on it to have like a team of real right. artists. Yeah, and, and don't I think get me the, wrong. the result would be f yeah. crazy. Don't crazy get me wrong. Cool. I I watch something like Encanto, and I'm like, this is absolutely visually stunning. Mm -hmm. It is yeah. a visual feast. I absolutely love it. But I also do miss some of that, um, I, like just the kind of painterly quality of a hand yeah. animated film. And I do, you know, 3D animation stuff too. And right. and I I know that they are recycling a lot of things. Yeah. Because that's what you do. Yeah. Right. If you've got something saved, you've got like sparkles that come out of a jar or something. Yeah. You can use those same sparkles in the next movie because why wouldn't you? Right. It's right there in yeah. a file. Yeah. Drag and drop. That's how that kind of goes. Yeah. You wouldn't yeah. you wouldn't spend the time to reanimate each thing. A lot of it gets but the the end result of that is you feel like you're watching the same freaking movie over yeah. and yeah. over and yeah. over. So yeah. So the next movie that that uh, we saw was The King's Man. The we King's had Man. never seen any of the movies in this series until we watched The King's Man. All The King's Man. Yeah. Yeah. They that was it was a fun With movie. Ralph, I thought it was I thought it was really entertaining. He Ralph, yelled at me for mispronouncing this, remember? Ray Fines. Ray? Ray. Yeah. Ray it's like yeah, See, Ray I've heard Fiennes. the name Ray Fines. I didn't read it like yeah. that. What? Yeah. No, this says Ralph. 
But that's yeah. Ralph Fiennes. It says Fiennes. Ralph Fiennes. Ralph Fiennes. <laughs> not how it said. Okay. <laughs> just he, he's just being obtuse about his name. I know. No, it's Ray. Like, yeah. good luck with yeah, that. He's, Gemma. Uh, uh, just yeah, he's, trolling me. Yeah. <laughs> is it Gemma or Gemma? I thought it was Adderton. Gemma Adderton, yeah, but Gemma. I mean, I also said Ralph Fiennes. And then, <laughs> who, and then what do I know? Riss Ifans. Resiphons. Resiphons. He plays Rasputin. Can I say one yeah. of the names on this list? <laughs> Try for the next one. Try oh, for the next one. Aaron Taylor Johnson. Actually, right, that sounds Joe, like a, an actor Joe from Smith. Home Improvement, doesn't it? That, that's <laughs> actually Joe Smith. Jo- oh, sorry. Uh, Aaron Taylor. <laughs> yeah, pronounced Joe a- Smith. Aaron Taylor <laughs> Johnson was the guy who played Quicksilver in the the, um, the MCU movies. Yeah, yeah, the MCU movie. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and hmm. he was in like. Godzilla or something like that. He's been yeah. in a couple of movies. Quicksilver. Uh, this movie is an action movie. It's about a spy agency, I guess, in yeah. like a comic book sense. It's actually based on a comic book. Yeah. Um, it's about uh, the action pieces were were fun. The action sets were... were really great. The problem that I have with a movie like this is like all of the good stuff is just shown to you in the trailers. Yeah. So. Uh, you go and you watch the movie and it's like there aren't really very many surprises spoiler free there was that twist that you and I didn't there see coming there was one twist that we didn't see coming yeah. for sure powered um, by M. Night Shyamalan what's but funny I, though did they bring him on board just for the twist Rise Ifans plays Rasputin and he does this fun like when he gets into a combat <laughs> scene he does this it's like almost like Russian ballet it's dancing ballet, yeah but he's like doing it as like fight move and he's, so he's like doing these flips and kicks and stuff and it's Please like tell me music twirls. plays when he's doing it oh yeah uh, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah okay yeah. naturally in fact like I think, an old I think opera it's, like, something I think it's like one of like one of the great Russian pieces of classical music yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> it's like a Russian ballet and he and so they're all fighting like sword fighting and he's like twirl kicking and nice. it's no it's great it's it like really russian capoeira i think right? that the, the action sequences of this it's movie exactly. are really really quite cool um <laughs> but i also think like it's also just a huge dorky stupid yeah, yeah. Uh, rotten tomatoes gave it 51 percent. so they, i think that's, they they aired on the side of it's a good movie i i feel like i mean 51 percent is just like one out of two critics was like yeah all right I, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I it did make me solid, want to watch the rest of the series. Yeah, I, mean, I would give it a solid C. Yeah, you know, I, th- yeah. I think if you've got nothing better to do for an afternoon, why not? Why not? But how about Marry Me? It's funny we included this on the list, and, and nobody of us went to see. <laughs> no, I even have Peacock. Like I have the subscription, yeah. and I'm not watching Marry Me. I, I will not. I will not watch a Jennifer okay, Lopez so movie. This I watched Anaconda, and I'm done. I went to see this. I watched Jennifer Lopez. I went to see this movie three or four times. Um, I, I bought a ticket. Yeah, because I get the tickets through the you know AMC Plus. Oh, or I was like, yeah, come again. So it, it doesn't cost me any money to get a ticket. Right. Right. It doesn't cost you any extra money. Extra money. Right. Yeah, you did pay to see yeah, it. I did pay. It just, it just, you which know, may be a transgression money. on its own. In my so, uh, no. so I, I, I booked a ticket to see this movie four different times. And every, I'm not joking. Every single That's time, that guy again. Every, <laughs> like, no, yeah, every single back. time I booked a ticket, something would come up that was just a minor inconvenience. You folks and at home like, can't. You folks at home can't see, but Trevor actually has these big, thick plastic glasses, and he walks in with like this look on his face, and he pushes the glasses up. I'm here to theme Jennifer Lopez <laughs> I again. Like I'm to again. One for marry me. Yeah. <laughs> it's the marry me guy. 
guy. It's the marry me guy. It's the marry me guy again. Betty's not married. <laughs> married to J-Lo. I wish I was Owen Wilson in this movie. I was going to be married by the end of the movie. No, but it's, it's like Lopez. every time there was a minor inconvenience, I was like, well, I can't go see marry me now. Damn it. It's Damn. like a little part of you is like, mm. Yeah. So I still Kate's probably seen it. like, honey, I, I I think this could wait, but um, we need to to go get some Snickers well, actually, at the store. It's, oh well, all right, I just can't go see Mary yeah, Me then. Can't go yeah. see it. <laughs> no, it was it was really funny because I even asked Caitlin. I was like, Kate, do you want to go see this mo- the J Lo movie with me? And she she looked at me. And she goes, You actually want to see a J Lo movie? <laughs> and I said, I mean, I it's not like I wouldn't see it. I'll go see it. And it's she for, it's for research. She looked at it's me and she, said, she says, Trevor. That movie is gonna be garbage. <laughs> so even my Great wife, instincts. even yeah. my wife would not go see this this movie. Oh, oh yeah. man, I'm just saying whatever that means. J Lo fired somebody from a set of a movie for for bringing up the South Park episode with her in it. <laughs> I, I think they were singing the uh, taco 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 burrito, <laughs> which is incredibly stupid. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not me, everyone. Okay, yeah. I'm quoting South Park, just, but, but she is incensed by that. She so she we, has never gotten over it. That was we can 15 go on years a, ago. If we can go on a dumb tangent, right? There's there's like this group of um, ladies on the internet on uh, on Reddit. Uh, there's a subreddit called female dating strategy. And I, I actually think that the idea behind it is really wholesome. The idea is that like, like women need to be more comfortable admitting that they have value in a relationship and they shouldn't sure. settle yeah. for douchebags. Right. Agreed. Yeah. So what yeah. there's the, the whole, the whole the idea is like, like own the fact that you are worthy and that you deserve a partner who can see that worthiness. Right. The problem is that it has been co-opted by these fucking crazy people who now are like, if he doesn't have a billion fucking dollars and a dick as long as a fucking, I don't know, a a long board, you know, then like, don't date that guy. It's become like this weird toxic community where they're like, there are no good men left in the world. All men are trash. Oh. Uh, you're a, you're a queen, mm. and fucking treat him like dirt because like a, like a grievances group, right? Yeah, yeah. But not just God. a grievances group, like like a, a group that is like really militant about like like no, they're losers, and you should only exist to like s- like siphon their money away. It's real God. bizarre. They they are really That's nightmarish. The, yeah. They are the they have been so co-opted. Glad I don't have to date anymore. Yeah, they've been co-opted oh, by this group of individuals who are basically like it's like the incels, right? Who are like women only exist for my pleasure. Um which I think is fucking toxic as shit. Oh yeah. So I get the sense that JLo is like one of those female dating strategy queens. Like, <laughs> she just refuses to settle down for whatever, like, minor inconvenience that she sees in a guy. And she's like, no, I'm fucking J-Lo. Yeah. I have no evidence no. for this whatsoever. He eats ketchup. J-Lo's going to listen. J-Lo <laughs> no and her way. fans. J-Lo and her fans are going to listen to this, and they're going to get real mad at me. But We should tag them in the... Uh... In the tag the, JLo and her fans. Now, oh gosh, oh oh gosh, Trevor. Wait, wait. What are we going to talk about next, Trevor? We saw a movie. Oh lord. Oh lord. Oh goodness. It's a movie. Oh, oh. People from Wisconsin have Don't now abandoned know. us as well. 
Don't you know it's a movie? Don't, don't you know, you know it's a it movie? all? <laughs> oh, I just love movies. Oh, Jeremy and Trevor. We saw, <laughs> <laughs> we saw the eyes of Tammy Faye. Yeah. The eyes of Featuring the eyes of Tammy Faye. Tammy Faye Baker, starring Jessica Chastain and Andrew Chastain. Garfield. Oh, that's hard to do for oh, a while. Man. Yeah, it, it really is. is. It, my voice hurts. I'm afraid um, it's going to stick like that. It's probably annoying too, so I'll stop. <laughs> yeah. They they do the, the they do the northern Wisconsin accent through the whole movie. The same way that I think Jared Leto does his Italian <laughs> accent. Okay, no, let's let's have this conversation. Let's have this conversation now. Jared Leto meets Jessica Chastain. Oh gosh. Oh, how you doing there? I'm a doing a fine. He's an it's a day the Lord is made for sure. <laughs> How'd you know I was a Catholic? <laughs> oh, no, no, the Catholics are demons. No, we're, we're evangelists. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're... <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> we, we, just... we preach the prosperity gospel, don't you know? Oh, we just God. pissed off the 700 Club. How, how, yeah, how prosperous. I thought we did that when we made fun of Joel Osteen like, uh, it's coming. last year. <laughs> We're at war. Uh, Bill Burr told a joke about Joel Osteen. He said, that guy's so full of shit, he can't even talk with his eyes open. He, 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 he closes his eyes when he talks because he can't even look at you when he's saying it. I he thought he was just doing a Gilbert Gottfried impression. Oh, yeah. What the hell? <laughs> Do you want the kingdom of heaven or not? <laughs> Yeah, but for real though, that's the, the, true, don't you know? We yeah. gotta, we gotta all go for the kingdom of heaven. I don't do that accent. <laughs> <laughs> this is the only one. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, like, we've got off the rails, everybody. He's like, this shit made me a millionaire. I'm, I'm never stopping. I'm falling out of my chair. Uh, oh man, oh, God. Uh, so the prosperity gospel what a concept as yeah. you know like you, there's so many things you could talk about you could compartmentalize this movie and, yeah, and so, go on I mean, and on about several things yeah this like movie tax was, fraud oh yeah um, yeah prosperity gospel I mean, prostitution this, so this movie television is, is weird I, I i couldn't figure out is this supposed to be kind of a dark comedy is it is it like more a biopic? You know, like what is this movie trying to do? That's what it, I was wondering. Because yeah. it, it plays uh, Tammy Faye Baker as a really sympathetic figure. And, yeah. yeah. And for those of you don't, who don't know who Tammy Faye Baker was, she was part of this, you know, the prosperity gospel kind of mm-hmm. crew. Um, Early a, days of televangelism. Yes. And you just and assume she's... a very she's... popular program where, you know, talk program where she talked about a lot of social issues. Her husband was Jim Baker. For yeah, for anyone right. who doesn't know, Tammy Faye was the one with the mascara running way down her face while, when she was crying. Yeah, which was yeah. often. That yeah. was like spoofed on Saturday Night Live too. Back it was. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and this was because this was she was accused. She and her husband, right, both were accused of embezzling of from their embezzling church. from their church. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a really big scandal. Tax fraud, wire fraud in this whole universe. Prostitution you know, of, of like televangelism. <laughs> the Jessica Hahn. That's how they caught him because he was oh, paying yeah, off Jessica right. Hahn yeah. because she, yep. um, she With accused him of, of 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 uh, raping her. See, I didn't even know yeah. that part. Like you could sprinkle yeah. in any <clears throat> crime, and I would believe it. But like, then she like posed are... for Playboy right after that. No, and... it was a it was a real thing. Yeah, yeah. weird. It, he he got caught in that big scandal, and, and you, he used church assumed... funds to pay her off, and then they yep, investigated right. and they realized they had been oh. embezzling from from their church. Yeah. And everybody like, knew like for so stuff. long what he was doing. It's just they oh, needed yeah. something to, right. to hook him yeah, on. Yeah, I mean, like this, this stuff, like you talk about Joel 
Osteen. Like, like that guy still does this stuff today. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I don't yeah. think that there is a, a Christian. Jim Baker's, I think, worse than Joel Osteen. Yeah, I don't. Th- I don't think there's Christian media out there that that isn't doing this in some way. In yeah, that's this is this is their shtick. Yeah. Well, I mean, their base, their their audience and their base is shrinking like crazy. So oh, right. you, you're like witnessing this real time like desperation. Uh, yeah, the they're, they're doing they're doing outrageous things to get people on board. Vincent D'Onofrio brings a creepy energy to Jerry Falwell. Oh, yeah. Like, that was, like... Super Because menacing. you have to. Yeah. yeah. I mean, super if, menacing. if you're going to play like Jerry Falwell, you better get ready to idea. creep somebody out. If yeah. there's any one thing that I think this movie does really, like, poorly, I, I honestly, I think that it tries to make sympathetic figures out of uh, Tammy, Ray, or Tammy Faye and Jim Baker. Oh, uh, out of Jim yeah. too? Yeah. yeah. They try to make him, you know, kind of cast him as, as a guy who, you know, a well-meaning guy who just kind of got caught up in the moment. Oh, yeah. bullshit. Um, yeah. He's out, he's out there at this he's moment still doing, it. doing that shit. He's, he's still doing he's it. He's selling doomsday food buckets. Like yeah. full yeah. of garbage MRE shit <laughs> yep. for like for twenty five hundred dollars you can get uh yeah. twenty stock years your, worth of food stock your apocalypse uh like basement because you know seriously because Jesus is coming back and and the world's fucking ending <laughs> on behalf of everyone on <laughs> no, earth this, fuck this Jim a, Baker this is a real <laughs> this is a real thing it's, yeah so that's the problem that I have with this movie right yeah. it's like they they try to paint these very sympathetic figures. Um, from people that I think are just, they are just wolves in sheep's clothing. Yeah. yeah. And when you don't portray them as wolves in sheep's clothing, you know. This I, shit continues. And I'm not saying that yeah. maybe there wasn't something good about uh, Tammy Faye and, and the way that she pushed back against the Christian community, um, like for their treatment of gay people, for mm-hmm. example. Like, I, I do think that she was looking a bit more inclusive than the rest of the church was. But I don't think that makes her any less a wolf. Yeah. Right? Right. You're I don't think it. that makes it. her could... any less a predatory. Um, well, they hint at that too sometimes in the the thing. Like uh, she was a, a master, like the Jessica Chastain plays her as like a master deflector. Like her mother's like, How are you affording this stuff? And she like totally like shifted the conversation. She learned like, how to how to lie. Yeah. Like, like they yeah. did. And yeah. 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 Yeah, if you're in it and you don't leave. Yeah, but but it it I feel like it waffles between yeah, the, the two. It does. You know, it, it instead of again showing her as the the wolf in sheep's clothing, she ultimately is. So yeah. they, are they trying to give the the viewer like this like thought project of like you know you don't really know people's intentions like people are good and yeah, bad. You I know, mean, whatever. I, I think that what they are trying to do is just make her into the sympathetic figure of the because yeah. you know the right. story wouldn't work if you didn't have a sympathetic. <clears throat> Protagonist. Yeah, you've got a yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll postulate the whole scene was, with the puppet, like as as a kid when she's like using the puppet to like right, to that talk. was like creepy. As but shit. also that like yeah, her she's ex- a creepy lady. Her yeah, she's exclusion very from the church because she was a, a child of she was the product of an affair. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, her mother, you know, had sex with some someone outside of her marriage and then ended up giving birth to her. And so she, you know, she was a scandal in the local how outrageously church. common. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Who gives a shit? These people get hung. But that's the thing. I mean, for, for a bunch of people that promote forgiveness, yeah. they get hung up on the most. It's really weird right? to me how oh, yeah. how they they show they show it some is. elements of be. how toxic this this environment really is. Yeah. Um. And yet they they continue to pull their punches when it comes to actually casting blame and it makes you wonder, doesn't it? it? Makes you wonder if anybody well, involved with the the religious. I'm sure they were they were afraid of some kind of a libel suit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, those people are are that's that segment of of 
society is uh, Im- immensely wealthy. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. the religious right evangelical. Right. It's yeah. It, I mean, they're like. I, I was going to say they're say, like the mafia. Uh, they uh, are the mafia. <laughs> like they really do oh, no, engage yeah, in yeah. mafia tactics. It's yeah. it's scary. It would not surprise me if this movie's script were bent to the will of those people in yeah. some yeah. way. Yep. Yeah. I thought you were going to say no they, were, they were litigious, which I could agree with that too. But maybe, maybe <laughs> I bet they are. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I've got nothing. It's a, good it's to an say interesting that. movie. <laughs> I I would say you know if you're if. It sounds something interesting to you, you know. Definitely, watch I enjoyed it. watching I it, it at yeah. the time. Yeah, I don't think I'll ever watch it again. No, I, yeah, like, I agree. There are plenty of these movies on this list that I'm going to go back and revisit just because yeah, I enjoyed right. them or they were good. But, yeah. but this is when yeah. I've watched it. I don't know if I'm going to watch it ever again. Yeah. Well, some of my but, favorite stuff is stuff that I'll never watch again. Yeah, yeah. like Chernobyl. I won't lie. I'm probably, <laughs> I'm probably going to watch uh, Moonfall again when it when it, it streams. <laughs> Uh, if only so, so you can I, further understand I how just, a star need, exists inside of the moon. I need a shot by shot breakdown of how fucking stupid that movie is. Can we get Neil deGrasse Tyson on Zoom and do an interview <laughs> wow. and, and talk Man. about Moonfall with him? I want to so, see that guy. Neil, how does a tweet? star exist inside of the moon? I want somebody yeah. to just be super, <laughs> like, fucking mean. About how they break down. Yeah, I want a scientist to be like, okay, this movie is. Yeah, here's as, why. As long as, Unreal. as long as we can also do a Patreon short where we interview Tammy Faye Baker, Gilbert <laughs> Godfrey as dead? Joel she Osteen, she died, and um, you know what? Jared Leto the as the ghost of Tammy Faye that's Baker. That's not a problem though. Jeremy has a book on necromancy. I do. Oh, good, good, we'll good. Just, we'll just raise it from the top. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, she was a sight in real life. Imagine her ghost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just running. It's just running. Yeah. Like the whole, the ectoplasm is just running off of her. Of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that wraps up this episode. Um, yeah. I hey. think our bad, impre- our, our impressions were hilarious. I think that wrapped up the I'm episode. Crying. Like I'm we should have just stopped with them. Stop while we're ahead. <laughs> um, <Yeah>. Gilbert Godfrey. <laughs> we did a lot of impressions in this one. We did. We got we got uh, some good stuff. So we what did do we have so coming up? So many impressions. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to squint really hard at Mike Push. We've yeah. got some. We've got some fun. We've got some fun stuff coming. Um, yeah, we're gonna be we, at StokerCon. We're gonna be at StokerCon. Um, if you're in Denver, you should come and. Check us out. Uh, we're pretty excited about that. We're both actually going to be there. Yeah. Um, through a, a miracle of modern science, uh, we've found a way to clone me, apparently. And the, <laughs> and, the, uh, <laughs> and the Slay House um, budget. Yeah. I, I mean, really, think to, thanks to uh, the Slay Brothers. Set up a tent there. Slay and, siblings. Uh, we have to thank all of them. Uh, yeah, that's right. The slay oh. siblings. For, uh, for we're going to have fun. some Patreon content coming up, too. Um, we're going to have some stuff that you can only find on Patreon if you're a subscriber, including um, we're going to have shortly uh, the, the Slay siblings have agreed to sit for portraits. And um, that's right. so we're going to have... Black and white images of them in our next in anthology. Our anthology. But if you want to see full color portraits, um, those will only be found on Patreon to start. We're also really excited to announce some new content that will be coming both to Patreon and to the podcast. Yes. Uh, we are going to start producing some audiobook readings of some classic stories. Those audiobook readings will only be available on our Patreon, so make sure that you follow along there. And hey, maybe consider giving us just a couple bucks a month. Yeah. Um, really does help 
pay a lot of the the a lot of the bills around here. Um, we're also uh, we just contracted two short stories um, that we will be reading on the show. Uh, we are projecting that those episodes are going to be ready sometime in July. So definitely yep. stick around for that. We've and got, they will also be featured in our next anthology as well, too. That's right. So. We don't want to. Uh, we don't want to. I don't know, uh, tease too much of some of the, the upcoming content that we have in case yeah. something goes wrong, but we're really excited about some potential author interviews coming up yes. in the next few weeks. We just recorded a phenomenal episode with Rich Handley, comics historian. Uh, definitely go back and listen to that episode. If you did not listen to it yet, it yep. is a real treat really cool guy really yeah. cool guy really yeah. fun interview um what else we're open for book submissions um we're Coming being very in, very selective on what we want for yeah. books but starting july 1st uh we are open for short story submissions Correct. for the next anthology we are uh yeah like you say we are currently looking for some novel submissions so if you have a novel um or a novel project that you'd like to pitch to us Please, uh, you can send that to editor at slayhouse.com. We, we have may Twitter not, accounts. Yep. We may not be open for too much longer with the novel submissions, depending on what we find. We are being very selective about it. Yep. Uh, but you can follow along at slayhouse.com for any information about our submissions. Yep. Uh, both the podcast and the publishing house have a Twitter presence. Um, we've got an Instagram that we're trying to grow, but we're not done yep. a lot with. Same um, with TikTok. Where we same are, with TikTok. We are uh, strategizing our TikTok strategy right now. Sure, that's how we'll how we'll say it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if you TikTok. if you want to follow along with us on social media, you definitely should. We are at Slayhouse and at Slayhouse Litbit S L E Y. I don't know why I have to spell it because you're already listening to us, so you probably know us. But <laughs> spelled just like it there sounds, not really. And if you're if- <laughs> Because anyone nobody spells uh, it like this. <laughs> anyone who's interested in what else is going on with Wayne Howard Studios, we've got a Patreon as well. Yes. Uh, it's patreon.com slash Wayne Howard. Uh, and a uh, lot going on in this studio. Uh, we got a really cool group here, and it's exciting. Do you yeah. want to end this episode with a little bit of music from what you're doing? Yeah. Actually, we got something ready for you. So Awesome. Awesome.